Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Vulnerable. It's your girl, Chelsea Vaughn. I am by myself in the studio today. We're doing another solo episode. And today I just wanted to talk about kind of like my career slash life path and how I ended up where I'm at now. I don't think a lot of people know like where I started, where I came from, um, and like just how I got here. And I think when I was doing my episode with Caroline Vizana about Fashion Week, she was, it was just funny because she was just like, oh, I didn't know you went to school for fashion. And oh, I didn't know you interned at like this place or whatever. Um, so I just wanted to tell you guys like my life story basically. Um, so you can get to know me better, Avi. And I'm thinking about like what's going on and let's just do what's going on with me. Um, first of all, my hair. I told, I told some of you guys that I was going to get a wig and like, I've never been a wig girly. So I was excited to try this out. And I posted on my story, like I bought this wig with the bangs, like real human hair, like it was expensive. Um, and I was going to wear it for fashion week and for all the events that I had coming up. And I was very excited, right? So what happened was <laughs> um, the wig got lost slash stolen. Um, I was watching it, like I was tracking it. It came to my apartment at 11 a.m., 11.06 to be exact. And I was home. I go downstairs around noon. Nothing's there. And packages get stolen from my apartment a lot. I'm not going to lie. Like I live in Brooklyn. This is New York. Like I don't have a doorman. Um, but like within 55 minutes is a little quick. I'm honestly convinced that the people that deliver the packages just mark it as delivered and actually don't ever deliver them and they steal them. But I can't prove it. We don't have a camera or anything. <laughs> Um, so the wig never came and I posted this on my story and I was like, guys, like my wig was stolen. My friend was like, it was snatched, which I thought was hilarious. But, um, and everyone was like replying to my story and was like, oh my God, someone broke into your apartment and stole only a wig. Like how odd, or like somebody broke into your apartment and you're so chill about this. And I was like, no one broke into my apartment, like not my actual apartment. <laughs> it was my apartment building. Um, so right now I'm letting my hair grow out because I want to get braids. So this is where we're at with the hair journey. And I was trying to figure out if I should just leave it as this dirty blonde color that I guess I am now um, or dye it black for the growing out period. But like, it's just such an awkward growing out time. Like when I shaved my head, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to be like a bald baddie. Like it's going to be great. But I didn't actually think about what was going to happen when I decided to grow it out again. Um, so right now I'm arguing with the the guy that I bought the wig from. Like I'm arguing with this company trying to get my money back. Um, so for now, this is what we're going to look like, but I'm very excited about the braids. I don't know how long I need to keep going before I'm going to have enough hair for them to like be able to grab it. But one of my friends or Kasha, she was on the podcast. You guys know her. Um, she just got braids and she barely has any more hair than me. So I feel like it's coming up soon and I'm really excited about that. Um, so that's what's going on with me, but let's, let's start from the beginning. Um, if you guys don't know by now, I'm from a suburb in Georgia called Marietta. And that's where I grew up from when I was like five years old. And my first job was at a store called Papaya. I don't even think it exists anymore, but it's like in the mall. It's like one of those stores where like, you know how like, I don't even know, I haven't been to a mall in so long, but you know how in the mall, like there's stores that are kind of just like vacant all the time. And then like these fast fashion, like clothing stores pop up. Like it was kind of that vibe. Um, so I started there, that was my first job when I was 16. And I got fired, <laughs> which like, honestly, a lot of, I mean, I don't know. I'm not like out here broadcasting that I got fired, but like, I do think it's funny now because I was 16. It was just like a stupid shit mall job. <laughs> um, but it was just like a click of mean girls. Like, 
And I'm such a girl's girl. Like, I've never had a problem getting along with other girls. And it was, like, this clique of girls that just, like, they would hire people. And then, like, it was it was the worst job. Like, anyone who's worked retail, like, it sucks. But, you know, you're 16. You're whatever. Like, you get a discount on clothes. It seems cool. Um, so, like, this is three months after I started working there. She takes me into the back room. And she's like, so, you know, when you started working here, you were on um, – a 90-day, like, trial probation period. And I was like, no, I didn't know this. And she's like, yeah. So we've decided to let you go. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't do anything. And she's like, we saw on the cameras that you had been sitting down in the dressing rooms when you weren't on a break. I'm like, so, so now we're just lying. <laughs> um, and I, being, like, the goody two-shoes that I am, like, now that I think about it, it's really weird that I stayed and worked the rest of my shift. Like I literally stayed there after I got fired and like helped them like clean up and help them close because I felt bad. And I was like, this is what you're supposed to do. But then like I went home, my mom was like, you stayed? Like what the heck? I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so that was my first job. And then my second job was at Abercrombie. I was a model, um, which is funny now that I actually am a model, but like they called everyone that worked in the front of the store a model. Um, so I was a model. You had to be like 18 to work at Abercrombie and Fitch. Cause that was like, you know, all sexual and like adult, um, or Hollister. So I worked at Abercrombie kids and I was literally just the girl in the front of the store, like spraying the perfume that like chokes everyone in that store, <laughs> um, folding clothes with a little board. And you had to wear Abercrombie every day there, which like this is also when I was 16 and had no money. So I was like, I'm not buying Abercrombie. They didn't give you the clothes for free. Um, so like I just wore literally the same jeans every single day and like the same one Abercrombie shirt that I had. And I also can't fit the jeans at Abercrombie because my legs are too long. So or I can't fit the jeans at any stores because my legs are too long. Um, so I just wore like the same pair of jeans every day that wasn't an Abercrombie pair. And I worked there for like a couple of years. Um until I moved moved on and moved up to Sunglass Hut, <laughs> um, where I worked. I was still at this same mall. This is like, I don't know if anyone's from Marietta, but like Kennesaw. It's called Town Center Mall. Um, but yeah, I worked at Sunglass Hut and that was a big deal. I started making like $10 an hour. So like this was big money back in the day. I think when I first started at Papaya, the minimum wage was, I think it was $6.25, which sounds crazy now, but that was like, that was like decent. Actually, I don't know what the minimum wage is anymore in, I think it's still like, um, it might be 875 in Georgia, which is absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, when I worked at Sunglass Hut, I started making $10 an hour and that was, that was a really big deal. And Sunglass Hut was great because I don't know if you guys have ever been to Sunglass Hut, but like, I kind of got like a bunch of autonomy there because I wasn't a manager, but they would let you open and close the store and you would work a shift by yourself. So I would just like, plug my phone up to the Bluetooth speaker, like play whatever I wanted. I was like my own kind of like boss in there, which was great at the time until like a lot of people. So while I was working there, they used to have like the cases locked up in glass and you had to like go over, take the key, open it up if somebody wanted to try on a pair of sunglasses. So then they changed it and they were like, that's not very approachable. Like we want it now to be like an open thing. So like the glass cases are just open for anyone to grab. Meanwhile, these are like $300 pairs of sunglasses. And so once they did the open case thing, everyone started stealing <laughs> and I was the only person in there. So it was kind of just like, they would tell you like, don't try to protect the sunglasses, like your life and like your safety is more important than the sunglasses. But like people knew this at the mall. 
So like they would come in as a group, one would distract you while the other ones like grabbed. <laughs> and I literally couldn't do anything. So people would just steal from me every single day and I would just have to watch them do it. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I honestly don't, I mean, $10, like I said, was kind of a lot at the time, but I was like, I don't make enough money to be dealing with this. So like, I'm going to just watch y'all steal the Ray-Bans. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. Um, but I also, I'm just like, I'm not a sales person. Like some people I think are really like truly born for sales jobs and are just, it comes naturally to them. Like they love it. They're people, people person, whatever, a people person. I wouldn't consider myself that. Um, and also I just like, don't really care. <laughs> like for sales, you kind of have to like try and really care about it. And I was just like, I, I worked like kind of on commission, but again, I just didn't care enough. So I was like, if somebody wants to come into Sunglass Hut to buy a pair of sunglasses, like I didn't feel like I was going to make or break that. Like if somebody comes in, you're going to buy a pair or you're not going to buy a pair. In reality, that's not that true because you can like kind of talk to people and convince them to buy sunglasses that they don't need. But I was just like, I I could care less. So it wasn't the best job for me um, because I, towards the end, started getting like in trouble with my manager because like your sales aren't as good as everybody else's. Like you're not, you're not like hitting your numbers. And I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> um, but I ended up working there for like five, almost five years. Cause when I moved to college, so I went to university of Georgia. So when I moved from Atlanta to Athens, there was, I just like transferred sunglass huts. Cause it was just very easy. And I was like, okay, cool. I already have a job. So I ended up working there part-time for like all of my college life. Um, yeah. And then the best perk about that job, though, was that every year, like once a year, you would get like one $500 credit to get a pair of sunglasses. So I was like living large for a while. I had so many beautiful pairs of sunglasses that have since been lost. I don't have I have like one pair left from all the years I worked there, sadly. Um, and then after Sunglass Hut, what happened? I moved to back to Atlanta or back home to Marietta. And I wanted to save up money because I always knew I wanted to move to New York. So like that was the plan. I was focused. I was like, I'm just going to go home, stay at my mom's house for a bit, save up money until I get enough to where I feel comfortable moving to New York. So I ended up getting a job at a call center and it was for Michael Kors customer service. <laughs> and first of all, call centers of any kind are horrible. And now when I call people, I, I like, I'm scarred from this experience. So it's like, I can't even, even if it's like an issue, like I can't be mean to someone on the phone because it's just like, you know, it's not their fault. And I have been in that position. And like, it was, it's Michael Kors, like purses and wallets. So like for people to scream, like the things that I heard and <laughs> experience are so crazy, but it's like, we worked in the repairs section of Michael Kors and no one was ever calling to be like, wow, I really love my bag. Thanks so much. It was always people being like, this broke, this fell off. I'm mad about this. I paid so much for this. Like, what are you doing? Like, let me talk to your manager. Terrible, terrible job. Um, it was kind of fun though. Like I made some friends and it was like, we got to like, I don't know, it made me feel cool. Cause I was like, oh, I'm working at Michael Kors, which was, you know, a big deal back in the day. Um, and Michael Kors ended up being a large theme in my life for some reason. I'll get to that in a second. But I was at the call center for like, I think eight-ish months. And I actually don't remember the, like the, I was trying to think of this the other day, how much money I had saved before I moved to New York. Um, it, it was probably like around a thousand or 2000, maybe tops. Um, 
and I had to sell my car that I had just gotten, um, which was tough because I moved to New York and left the car in my mom's driveway and then had to like sell it from New York. So I ended up selling it for super cheap because I was like, I just need to stop paying the car payment. Like I need someone to just take it. So whoever got it, she got a great deal. Um, But yeah, I moved to New York. This is like, we're in April, 2015 now. Moved to New York. I moved in with my aunt. She lived in Harlem and she was like, she's, she was a model and she's been in New York for a long time. So she's like the cool aunt that I've always looked up to. Um, And she doesn't have any kids. So like I was the closest thing for her, but like she doesn't have any kids because she doesn't want any. (laughs) So like, she was like, you can stay with me until you find a job. But like, she really didn't want me there. Like she really didn't want me to be there. Like she loves her space. She loves being by herself. And I was just, and it's, it's New York. Like she lived in a one bedroom apartment with a den. So it wasn't really like, like the den had a Murphy bed. So like there was kind of, it was almost like a bedroom, but still I was very much in her space and I also had no money. So she had to like buy me food and like take care of me basically for a while. So she was like, until you get a job, you can stay here, which is very nice of her. I'm very appreciative. I don't know what I would have done without that. Um, So when I first moved to New York, I was trying to start modeling. So I went to like a bunch of different agencies. I took as many meetings as I could. I went to open calls and nobody felt like signing me at that time. No worries. Um, I made it anyway. Fuck you guys. (laughs) Um, No, but like I started working at Coach. This is like the first job I got. Actually, I lied. Back to Michael Kors. I got a job working retail at Columbus Circle at the Michael Kors store. Um, So that was interesting. I've worked so many retail jobs just to like make money, not because I just love retail so much, but ended up at Michael Kors again. So I was doing that part-time and then I got a job at Coach, which I was like, oh my God, amazing. Like fashion job, me and my fashion career, like my first job. And it was actually in the legal department because that's just what was hiring at the time. So coach was in the middle of acquiring Stuart Weitzman. And I got a job as like an intern slash assistant um, with a lawyer. She just needed an assistant. And I just helped her like go through paperwork and like, I don't know, helped her with whatever she needed. I honestly don't know. It was the weirdest thing that I was there because I was in like ended up being in all these like legal like meetings and like (laughs) looking at all these legal documents. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not qualified to be here, but okay. Um, And in my mind, I was like, okay, I'll take the job at coach in the legal department and then I'll know people there. So then I'll just like trickle over to the fashion department. Um, That didn't end up happening. I interviewed coach is like, for some reason, the hardest place to get a job at in the world. Um, I interviewed for three or four different assistant fashion positions made it to like round four. So this was an entry level role as like a fashion, I don't even know what it was called, assistant buyer, assistant merchant or something. Um, And they had four rounds of interviews for an assistant role, which I found so shocking. And I made it to like the fourth round, like three different times. And then they were like, we went with someone else. And I was like, okay, clearly coach was not in the cards for me. I wasn't supposed to work here. I think I'm just done. also was very proud of this because this was the first time I negotiated money. So I was offered like, I think it was $12 an hour for the coach, like assistant position. And I went back to her and I like asked for 16 and I got it. And I was like, oh my God. So this is just a lesson for everyone. Always ask for more money. This is a lesson I've taken with me for my entire life. Anytime anyone offers me anything now, I always ask for more money because they always have it. Like they literally always have it. Um, And the worst that can happen is they just say no. Like they're never going to be like, 
no, ew, I can't believe you asked. Like, now you don't get the job. Like, that's never going to happen. Um, so, yeah, we're at $16 an hour now. What is this? This is 2015. And then I got my first, like, real corporate job at TJX companies. So they own TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Home Goods, And their full, like, corporate office is actually in Framingham, Massachusetts. So that's where everyone that works for those companies, like, is based. But in the New York office, it's just a buying office. And they actually buy for the European and Canadian stores. So I got a job there as a merchandise assistant. And that's funny. I was just talking about this at brunch earlier um, with a girl who's, like, I think she's, like, I don't know how old she is. But she just got out of college a couple years ago. And she was just talking about how in the editorial field, like, you make no money. And, like, in the PR field, they offered her, like, no money. And I was like, yeah, when I got my first entry-level job, like, I was making – like, I got offered 40K. And I thought that was pretty good for, like, fresh out of school, like, 2015. And she was like, yeah, I just got offered 40K for my first job. I was like, oh, no, (laughs) that's not good. (laughs) Um, That's that's pretty bad for these days. We're in 2023. But at the time, that was pretty legit. So I was there for two years – And basically what an MA merchandise assistant did is assist the buyers. So the buyers like go to market and they meet with the, I don't know what you want to call them, not designers, but like the other vendors and pick out like what product goes in the stores. And then I think a lot of people think buying is like a really glamorous job because that's how it's presented. I don't know, in media or I don't know, when you're in fashion school. But it's very analytical and it's very much like mostly Excel spreadsheets, um, which I didn't mind because I kind of I kind of like the mix of being like creative and also analytical. Um, but when you're an assistant, you're just doing the grunt work. So like you don't really get to do much of the fun stuff. So it's mostly just like looking at sales and seeing like what did well in this store and why did things do better for this demographic and where should we place this and who do we think would like this product? Um So just analyzing sales and then making decisions based off of that. So I was working in like the luggage department, handbags, beauty. I moved over to home, which was really cool. Um, So it was a cool job, but it was just not like super quick moving, I guess, like as far as moving up the ladder. Like people that work there are assistants for like a year, like five, seven years before they like become buyers. And one of my best friends, actually my old roommate that I – I'm still besties with. She actually still works there. And that's where we met. But like, she just became a buyer like last year. And I'm like, I feel like I've had seven lives that I've lived since I've been at this job. Like, I just wasn't, I just wasn't in it for the long haul. Like my heart wasn't in it. And I was like, I don't think I'm getting promoted anytime soon. And I also just like was itching to model. Like I, when I, like I said, when I first got to New York, I was like, okay, I really want to model. And, but I needed a job because I needed to get out of my aunt's apartment And so I kind of just put it on the back burner after like getting a few no's, but it was still like at, you know, in the back of my mind, like I was like, I still want to do it, but I'm like kind of just scared to take the leap. Um, So once I left that job, I kind of like tried again, like, and I was like during, it was, I was working full time. So it was kind of hard to like do it during work, but like, I was still trying like here and there to like go to a casting or I don't know talk to someone that was modeling and see like if I could meet with their agency or whatever. But it's very much a job where like you can't really half-ass it. So it's like you you have to take the full jump in and commit or don't. Um, And then it was also like every day that I would walk into work at the office, people would be like, 
what are you doing here? Like, you should be a model. Like, have you ever thought about modeling? Like, you should model. And I was just like, dude, I'm so sick of hearing this because it was like just tugging at a place of like of me that I was like avoiding and scared to kind of commit to. Um, so then I left TJX. This is like 2017 or 2018. And I went to work at Century 21. If you guys like aren't New Yorkers, you probably don't know what that is. It's not the real estate company. It's um, like an off price kind of luxury store. I actually think they closed for good during COVID, but they sell like super high-end like designer luxury brands for a discount, like kind of like a Nordstrom Rack or like Saks Off Fifth. Um, so I went there, started working there and I was an assistant buyer and I was making pretty good money, but like I hated the company. Like it's, I thought it would be better because it was like a small, like family owned business. And they sold me on a dream where they're like, oh, we like treat everyone here like family. And like, I bought the dream. And honestly, they were just like, like I made more money, but it was just a shit like culture. I did not enjoy it. My boss totally hated her. Funny thing is I just ran into her at a kickboxing class last week. I didn't say anything, but I knew it was her. I'm pretty sure she knew it was me, even though my head shaved, I look very different. But um, yeah, I was just like, I was, half of me was like really curious. I was like, I wonder what she's doing now. Like she definitely doesn't work there anymore. I wonder if she's still a bitch. No, um, I'm pretty sure she is. But <laughs> I, um, I was there and I like, this was a blessing in disguise because I hated this job so much that I was like, okay, it's now or never. I think I was 20, 25 at this time. So for modeling, as everyone knows, like they're obsessed with youth and they want you to be like, a lot of people start modeling when they're like 15, 16, 17, especially women. Um, they want to like start you young in your career so they can kind of like mold you and like I don't know, capitalize on the years that you have, I guess. Um, so starting at the age of 25 for modeling is like unheard of. Um, so I <laughs> started like looking for modeling agencies again and I was just lying about my age. Like I straight up was just, and apparently like a lot of models do this. But like, I mean, I think I look pretty good for my age. Like, I, And at 25, I looked pretty good. Like I was, I could get away with like 22. Um, so I just said I was 22. <laughs> Uh, and people even at 22, which is so funny, I was lying to all these agencies saying I was 22. And like, for anyone who's never been to a modeling agency, like if you go to a meeting, basically they take your pictures, like they'll take digitals of you, like with a little camera, like against a white wall, they'll measure you literally with a measuring tape, write down your measurements. Um, they might do like a little test shoot with you or whatever to see like how you move and if you can pose or whatever. And like, they never ask you for proof of I like ID. They never ask you for like anything. So like, you don't have to prove how old you are. They just literally ask you to write on a piece of paper. So I was like, okay, I'm 22 now. Um, and when I would go to these meetings, they'd be like, you know, you're 22 and that's, that's pretty old to be starting at modeling. <laughs> and at the time I was also like, I don't know. I think my hips were like 35 or 36 inches. And for reference, like they want hips for a woman to be 34 inches and like it, it is that serious to them. So like they'll literally take a measuring tape around your ass and be like, you got to lose an inch or nobody's going to sign you. Like you're never going to be a model if you or if your waist is a 26, it needs to be a 25. So like pretty toxic. <laughs> um, and at the time I was like, OK, well, if that's what they're saying I need to do, like that's that's probably what I should do. So I. uh 
I don't know, I got my ass on a treadmill and started running every day like they told me to. And eventually, I mean, I, I don't think my butt was ever 34 inches, like, and never will be again. But I think I got it down to like 35. And it's okay, guys. Since then, I realized this is absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> um, I'm good now. But yeah, at the time, I was like, okay, they say like, I need to be this. So I got to be this. Or I'm never going to get signed. Cool, whatever. Um so because I hated that job at Century 21 so much, I was like, I can either quit this job and go get another job in buying, or I can quit this job and actually try to model because I knew I was quitting regardless. So I was like, let me just save up a bunch of money and quit with like, you know, a good little nest egg um, so that I feel better about it. So I kind of gave myself, like people always ask me this, like, how did you quit your job? Or like, what did you do financially? Like at the time I was living with my boyfriend and not that he was paying for my life at all, but like we split the rent. So it really wasn't like that big of a deal. Um, and then I just saved up a bunch of money because I was like worried about obviously if I didn't get signed or if it didn't work out, like what I was going to do. So I saved up about like three months worth of money. So I think I quit the job in like August or September and then I was like, okay, if I don't like make it or like get signed or something doesn't happen by like, I don't know, December or like end of the year, then I'll get another like corporate job. But the thing is like, I don't know, I'm always a proponent of like quitting your job and trying something or just like trying something in general, because the worst that can happen is like you go back to what you were doing before. Like my degree wasn't going anywhere. I knew that my experience wasn't going anywhere. So I was just like, okay, if I quit and it doesn't work out, at least I tried and I don't have to sit here every day and be like, oh my God, I wonder what it would be like if like maybe I tried modeling or I don't have to be like 55 and wonder like, man, I wish I'd, I'd attempted that when I was a little younger. Like, no, um, I can't, I would not have been able to live with myself. Um, and like, it worked out pretty good, guys. I think I'm, I think I'm doing pretty well. I'm glad I did it. I feel like it was like the best thing for me for sure. Um, but yeah, I quit my job and then I don't know when I got signed by a couple agencies. One of the agencies I'm still with, but I think it might have been like November or December. Um, which is funny because my my agency now, they're pretty chill. Um, like we have more diverse models than I would say a lot of agencies do. So they weren't super crazy about like my measurements or my age. And I was still lying about my age. And of course, this this is the one agency that asked me for my ID. <laughs> and she, the funny thing is, she like asked me for my, my ID. I give it to her. I don't say anything. I literally, on the piece of paper, it says I'm born in 1995. I was born in 92. And she looks at my passport and she looks at me and she literally just changes the five to a two and doesn't say anything about it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great cool. We're on the same page here. She didn't really care. Um, it's kind of like, all right, as long as you look good and can book jobs, like it didn't matter that much. And I was like, okay, phew. <laughs> We've never talked about it to this day. Um, but yeah, I signed with a couple agencies and then started working. I don't know. I started doing runway. I've done like beauty bridal, which is like one of my favorite kinds of modeling. Cause it's so fun to play dress up. I'm like, nowhere near getting married right now at this stage in my life. But I'm like, I feel like when I do actually start trying on wedding dresses, like I'm going to be that girl that like tries on 150 and still can't pick one. Not because I'm not decisive, but because I've put on so many wedding dresses before and like couture, like these stunning, beautiful gowns that like, I don't think anything's going to impress me. Like I want, I might wear like a, 
a different color or something. Like I need something different and something like dramatic. But I was also thinking about, I love how I'm thinking about weddings so much, but I'm definitely not getting married anytime soon. But like, I was thinking about walking down the aisle too. And I mentioned this to Serena, but I was just like, I, I want to like, I think I want to walk down by myself. Cause it feels like a, it feels like you're walking down a runway. Like, I just feel like it, it's like so powerful and cool to just like walk down to my future husband, like alone. I haven't talked to my dad about this. He's probably not going to be into the idea, <laughs> um, but I think it'd be cool. <laughs> but anyways, um, got signed with the agencies, started modeling full time. It was going well. Um, I think like the coolest thing I've probably done is like gone to Paris and walked fashion week there, which I like, not that I didn't believe in myself, but I just like never really thought I was going to do that. Um, and I kind of went to Paris on a whim because a lot of models are signed in multiple different countries with different agencies. So being signed by like, more than one agency in one city is very rare because they usually like make you exclusive. But a lot of models will have like an agency in Paris, an agency in London, one in LA, one in New York, whatever. So I just have my New York ones. I've never been signed anywhere else. Um, and I went to Paris and I didn't have an agent and I was just like, let me just see what the flights look like during like fashion week. And some, for some reason, I guess it was just fate. They were $200 round trip. <laughs> so like I booked a flight to Paris, not having anything booked for fashion week. Um, and my agency, like there's a couple, like she knows some people, she's European, the owner of my agency. So she knows like some clients or connects in Paris. And I just went there and I was like, I'm just going to try to like go to castings or meet people or whatever. So I went by myself and this was like my first solo traveling trip in general. Um, so that part was cool. But I ended up like booking a shoot. I walked in like a couple of shows. Um, and then my friend, like a New York friend that lives here, um, she ended up coming and meeting me there. And then my mom has never been to Europe. And so the first week I was there by myself. And then the second week my mom came and then she came to like watch me walk in all my shows, which is so cool. Cause she's never really like She's seen me obviously like in college when I was like at these janky fashion shows, like just trying to make it. Um, but she's never seen me like in a real like professional setting. So that was really cool. She got to come to my shows. Um, but yeah, that was amazing. And then shortly, like maybe before that, right before that, I did like a bridal shoot for a show for Say Yes to the Dress on TLC. And it ended up being on a billboard in Times Square. Um, so that's like another crazy, amazing thing that I never thought I would end up doing, but it happened. And one of the shows that I was in for Fashion Week ended up being like, the designer ended up being in British Vogue. So like my picture from that was in Vogue. Um, so this was like amazing. This was like me peeking at modeling. I was like, oh my God, everything I've ever dreamed of is coming true. And then COVID happened. <laughs> um, so it was like, and I was in Paris. So it was like February, 2020. Um, and while I was in Paris, every, everyone started freaking out. And they were like, people were canceling their runway shows because they were like, I don't know what's happening with this virus. Like, let's just shut things down. While I was there, they closed the Louvre because they were like, things are going crazy, whatever. And so I, me and my mom like barely made it back to the United States before they closed the borders. Um, so it was like exactly during Fashion Week when all this happened. And I came back to New York. I still will never know if I had COVID, but I was sick for two weeks. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and assume that it was COVID. Um, but this was like at the time when they you could not find a test anywhere. So I I don't know if it was COVID or not, but 
I was out, down for the count for like two full weeks. Um, and then everything shut down, like modeling agency, the castings, everything was like slow and like really wasn't picking back up. They were doing like a lot of virtual castings and I wasn't doing anything. And I was just sitting here and I was like, you know what? I wonder what the application process for The Bachelor looks like. And so I went online and like I've told this story a million times, but it's like you literally go on like bachelornation.com and it says like, hey, apply to be on the next season of The Bachelor. You put one photo, your Instagram handle, and it says like, why do you want to be on this show? And that's it. That's the whole application. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll just apply. I'm not doing anything else. I put my picture, I put like my Instagram and I just put to find a husband, duh. And that's literally all I put in the box. And then like a couple days later, a producer called me and I, it was just a random LA number. And I was like, that's weird. She left me a message and I was like, I don't know if this is real or not. <laughs> like I just assumed, like, I was like, I literally forgot that I even did that because it was just random one night at my mom's house. I was just like chilling and I just applied. And then from there, snowballed. All the casting was virtual because it was still like, you know, weirdness with COVID. Um, so like I, when they normally cast for The Bachelor, they like send a whole camera crew to your hometown, meet your family. Like you do all this stuff. They fly you out to LA, you meet the producers. And because of COVID, like none of that happened. So it was just, everything was on Zoom. So I was like, it just didn't feel like the process was going along, I guess, because like it was just more Zoom meetings. So I didn't realize how serious it was. And my best friend was kind of like, I started doing like, you have to do like medical testing and all this stuff. I started doing all that. And my friends were all like, Chelsea, I'm pretty sure you're going to be on this show. And I was like, I don't think so. Like, I feel like they probably have a ton of applicants. Like, they're just going through the motions. Like, no, all of these things that you're doing now, like, it seems pretty serious. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I'll believe it when I get a plane ticket. Um, and then just because, like, modeling and stuff, like, people will literally tell you at castings. Like, they'll watch you walk or, like, they'll see you come in. They're like, oh, my God, you're so stunning. I've never seen anyone like you. Like, I can't wait to see you in the collection. Like, you're going to look so good in this blue dress. And they won't book you. Like, you'll never hear from them again. Or, like, you'll go to a casting and they'll be like, they'll just stare at you and be like, okay, next. And then you'll book that job. So it's just, like, kind of a mind fuck in that way. So I, I was thinking about it from that lens. And I was just like, yeah, I don't think this is going to happen. Because I've just been so trained to be like, it it's not happening until you get that booking. Um, but obviously it happened. <laughs> um, I eventually did get the plane ticket and went out, filmed the show, came back. Um, and then after the show, like, I don't know, the whole like following was kind of not unexpected, I guess, but it's just like you go into this experience having absolutely no idea what could potentially happen. Like I knew that it could potentially change my whole life, but I also knew that I could potentially go home night one and no one would ever remember my name. Um, so you just kind of go into it like just not knowing at all how you're going to come out. Um, and it did change my life. I mean, definitely for the better, I think, uh, career-wise for sure. Mental health-wise, eh. <laughs> um, if you guys want to hear more about that, listen to my first episode with Abigail. We went in. But um, but yeah, when I got back, I had like some managers like sliding into my DMs. And I like I've always been focused on like traditional regular modeling. Like I never did any brand deals, partnership, no like influencer stuff at all before the show. Um, so my current manager, she had DM me and she was like, hey, like, I really liked how you presented yourself on the show. Like, I'd love to chat. And I ended up like having a call with her and just really liking her vibe. 
And I've been with her ever since. So that's when I started doing like the partnerships and influencer stuff. And that's kind of how I got to where I am now. Like that was only, I guess I went on Paradise after a couple months after filming Bachelor. So like, okay, fine. After that, I started doing like the brand deal. So it's really only been like a year and a half of being an influencer. Um, Yeah. And that is quite literally my entire career path, how I got here. Oh, I forgot one thing. What you talked about with Caroline is that I intern at Oprah Magazine. But if you guys want to hear about that, I I talked about it on Caroline's, on the podcast with Caroline, the Fashion Week episode. But um, that was when I was like a sophomore in college. I came up to New York, lived with my aunt again, (laughs) Um, and interned in the fashion closet at Oprah Magazine. So like that was a pretty cool experience too. But that's how we landed here. Um, and let's take a quick break. And then I'm going to do like some questions for tell it like it is. I'm not really in the mood to give advice today. So I'm going to do more like um, different kind of questions that people ask me for tell it like it is. But somebody asked me, what is something I have coming up that I'm looking forward to? So one of my best friends is Ecuadorian. And her and I lived together in college. So we've known each other for like, well, she actually went to high school with me too, but we've been besties for like over a decade at this point. And we've always been talking about how she wants me to go to Ecuador with her. And I booked a flight. So I'm going to Ecuador in April for a little over a week. I'm going with her and I'm so excited. Like I've never been to South America before. Um, And I also just like Last year I was traveling so much and I had all these different plans and I love traveling if you guys don't know that by now, but like this year I just like have nothing planned. Like I have nothing on the calendar and I'm like getting antsy at my apartment. Like my con ed bill was like kind of high and I was like, what is this? I was like, oh, I usually am never home this much. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so I needed to book some sort of a spontaneous trip. So going to Ecuador at the end of April with my bestie. I'm really excited about that. If you guys have any recs for, I mean, she's from there, like she's from Guayaquil. Um, so she knows all the things, but like I've been on and off trying to learn Spanish for the past like couple of years. And by trying to learn Spanish, I mean like definitely half-assing it. Like I have Duolingo on my phone and I was really diligent about it at one point, but I've since stopped and gotten distracted. Um, But also another good way, not that I'm like, I shouldn't be giving tips because I'm clearly still not fluent, but another good way that I like to do it is like when I watch all my Netflix shows, I put the subtitles on in Spanish and that helps me because it's like, obviously it's happening in English and I can look down at the subtitles and see like what they meant. So I feel like that's a good way to kind of like subconsciously get into your brain. They also say if you like play stuff in like a story being played, told in Spanish or whatever while you sleep, then that helps you learn too. But anyways, I like, I need to do like a in-person class, I think, because the problem that's like holding me back, like I'm good at reading it and understanding more, but it's the speaking part that's a problem. I think it's just because I'm like nervous to do it. Like I feel stupid and I don't like to feel stupid obviously in situations, but it's like when I'm talking to people, it's like even when I go to Mexico or like a Spanish speaking country and I'll try to practice, they speak back to me in English. Like it's almost like they're like, oh, poor girl, like she's trying, but let's just this, this American, let's just speak to her in English. So I'm like, I can't learn that way when people do that. Um, and then people also like laugh at you, which is like, 
I know it's not coming from like a, a bad place because it's, it's funny when people say things wrong, but it still makes you feel like shit. So <laughs> I need to go to like a Spanish class in person where I can just learn to speak freely and get over the embarrassment factor. Um, and I need to do it before April. I would love to do that because I'm not going to be able to keep up with my friend and her cousin who's also coming with us. But at least I'll have her there. She came on my trip to my birthday trip to Tulum too. And she was like our translator. I don't know what we would have done without her honestly. But that is something I have coming up that I'm really excited about. Um, Work-wise, I don't know. I'm excited for more podcasts, guests, and more episodes. Um, You guys have been DMing me your thoughts and feelings, which I love. I don't reply to all of them, but I read all of them. So I appreciate that. Please keep doing that. Um, What's another question I have? Three things that I can't live without and would recommend to the average girly. Um, Okay, I've talked about this a lot. But I get hangovers that are brutal now. And instead of uh, just stopping drinking, I have found these magical pills on Amazon. They're like these purple pills that I don't know what milk thistle is, but like it's in the pills. It's like a bunch of vitamins. There's milk thistle. Apparently it's good for your liver. Um, And you take them before you go to bed or you take them while you're out drinking. And I literally swear by these things. Like I've bought four bottles of them now. I wish this was a sponsored ad. Like if anyone wants it, I'll link it again on my page. Um, But yeah, they're these, it's called like purple tree. If you search on Amazon, purple tree pills, the hangover ones, incredible. Would recommend that to anybody. Um, What's something else I can't live without? I mean, just being an influencer, I guess, and like going to a bunch of events, like people have been less, less embarrassed about it now, but everyone's bringing these little pocket kind of, not flashlights, but like lights to shine on you so that you can get the good shot because like the pictures, it's, it makes a huge difference with lighting. Um, so I've been bringing this another Amazon, but like this little square, like super bright light that I got from Amazon around in my purse, if it's in my purse, um, and it makes your pictures a million times better. So that's another one I would recommend. Um, what is something else I can't live without? I mean, not obviously I can live without these things. Well, not the purple pills. <laughs> um, hmm. I don't know. I'm really into like skincare. And I just came from an event this morning for this red LED light wand. You guys have seen me use it for sure on my story. Because every time I do a mask or a serum, like I'm using this wand. Never and ask me like what the hell it is. But red LED light has been proven to like have, I don't know, a shit ton of benefits for your skin, like fine lines, I don't know, plumping, um, redness, irritation. Like I have eczema, so it helps with that. Um, So I love this wand. So these are three things I would recommend um, for anybody. Guys too. (laughs) Um, Everyone always asks me if I'm still modeling. So I'll answer this one. Um, Yes and no. Like I feel like modeling and influencing and all the different jobs I have, I guess, kind of have combined and rolled into one. Like, I think they're all kind of related. So a lot of the brand partnerships that I do will ask me to not only make content, but also like I am still the model in them or like certain places will ask me to make content and send it to them instead of posting it on my page. So that's kind of just like basically just modeling. Um, so I still do stuff like that. And like, if I have a shoot that seems fun, um, I'll, you know, I'll say yes to it. But honestly, like I am still with my agency, but I think (laughs) she's just stopped sending me stuff because I've been saying no to a lot of stuff, which is fine. I just feel like it's a different period in my life and in my career. Cause I don't really have that same, like 
drive, energy, like care to do the modeling stuff anymore because it's such a grind that I'm like, I'm tired. Like I've been doing this for like 10 years. Like I don't, I just don't care as much as I did when I was like 21. Um, And I have other priorities now. So I just, I don't know, I'd rather do like a brand deal where I, I'm in creative control. I make way much more money like transparently than actual model, like uh, traditional modeling. Um, So I'm just like very much more selective now about the modeling jobs I choose, but I do still... I do still do it here and there. Like I do still enjoy it. It's just not so much for, um, I don't know, I guess a paycheck at this point. But yeah, that's that's really it, you guys. I hope that you enjoyed my entire life story, career story. Um, if you have any more questions about it, feel free to slide into the DMs. I'm at Chelsea Vaughn on Insta, at Chelsea Vaughn underscore on TikTok. And if you want to watch me on YouTube, I'm wearing a really cute outfit today. It's Vulnerable Pod. Um, and other than that, please leave us a review. I've read most of you guys' reviews. So sweet. And also, like, I only have five stars right now, which I'm really, like, blown away by and shocked. Not shocked, but, like, I don't know. It's, it's pretty cool. So thanks, guys. And we will see you next episode. Bye.